Anapanasati Sutta. Breathe in, breathe out. Understanding, breathing in, breathing out. Short. Breathing in, breathing out. Experiencing the whole body. Breathing in, breathing out. Tranquilizing the bodily formation. There's a we can notice a continual emphasis on this experience of the breathing in and breathing out, giving a feeling of like a, a continuity to it, something that's steadily, you know, ongoing, continuing process. But also within that, it's like a metronome. It's something like a pendulum or metronome. It's swinging to in, out. In, out, in, out. It's great. It's kind of continually informing, tuning the jitta, tuning the mind to the experience of change. This, that, this, that. In a in a in a soft, settling way. It's not a violent change. It's just the continual rhythm, the pulse of the breath, and something that we begin. As the mind does settle, we begin to look at or sensitize to this pattern in the phenomena that we experience. The way we experience things is really in this kind of binary way on, off, open, closed, up, down, backwards, forwards, day, night. This switching over and this feeling of one formation arises. Comes to its fruition, it, see, it, it fades. One thought pops up, comes to its fruition, it stops, it changes, it fades. Something else comes up. So you've got this continual process of arising and ceasing, which becomes more apparent um, <coughs> as we as we settle, as the mind settles into a proper kind of resonant relationship, and it becomes less apparent when the mind suddenly goes into a spasm when it seizes up through what fear, anxiety, frustration, rage, desire, suddenly things are solid, suddenly things are long lasting, suddenly things are substantial. They're not on off, they're not flowing and changing, they're locked. And with that very strong feeling of I am. You know, and the I am seems very solid. And looks for something solid, and the whole of the crazy runaround begins then. And uh, and we can witness this experience in any any moment. And uh, in in a, the contact of the hindrances, does this the hindrance? Uh, 
fear, desire, anger, worry drops onto the onto the onto the mind, and the mind shivers and goes into no, don't, don't stop, or and it goes it's kind of spasms, and then you you know the the, the, the gentle rhythm is 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 lost. And the and the um, the teaching that uh, is given, the teaching that's so commonly given through various angles, is to get back into rhythm, is to get back into the experience of resonance, to get back into the experience of this is impermanent, this is allow it, don't hold on to it, don't favour it, don't reject it, allow it to to pass. This is you know, whatever kind of adjustments we do, forceful, gentle, subtle or coarse, it's really to get back into rhythm, into into things flow again. Rather than you know, trying to stiffen up against something. <clears throat> this so this um, this settling process is, and then, then the more that we are able to to bring around this kind of gearing of settling and the contemplation of impermanence, then these, some of these spasms start to ease out of the mind, some of the lumpiness starts to soften up, some of the kind of defensiveness starts to get gentler, some of the kind of wanting to acquire loses its fever and the mind begins to settle a bit more and then breathing in, breathing out, flowing a little more fully, being a bit more complete about it. As the mind as the mind goes through this process, then its its ways of relating to things changes from understanding, that is, being able to step back and make a cognitive statement, breathing in, breathing out, long, short, changes from understanding to the second change, the first change is to pati sangvedi, experiencing. Pati sangvedi really means pati is a generally a kind of emphatic, fully. It means fully, thoroughly. Sangwedi is thoroughly sensitizing. It's some sangwedi. Vedana is feeling. Sang is to really get into feeling. And pati kind of emphasizes it. So thoroughly feeling, thoroughly sensitizing to, to the, <coughs> the whole body. And to thoroughly sensitize to anything um, involves a uh, feeling of trust, doesn't it? We something isn't holding back. We're not we're not impatient. We're actually relaxing to, you know, to 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 to, to open and sensitize and flow with something. And so that process of settling actually changes the way the mind operates. And then, when the mind now is in this kind of more like a sensitivity experience, then the finer tune is to just to tranquilize, to calm, to ease up. And it's rather like uh, recognizing in this sensitive experience that, you know, maybe, you know, the, the, the quality of striving don't need to be that hard, don't need to be that forceful, you can be gentler now. Um, you can take your time a bit more. You don't have so much to, to gain or to prove because of the general, you know, easing up 
of the mind's psychology. So then it's like noticing, like noticing you're talking too loud. You don't need to. Hmm. used to kind of bawling in a factory or something, you go home and start bawling to people. Oh, right. or we're in a more sensitive area now, I don't need to shout so loud. So the, your voice drops, doesn't it? Similarly, this is the way that your the, the meditation develops. First of all, you may be having to really kind of hold it and get to it and get there and find it out. So you've got that kind of game plan of, of you know, the spiritual warrior, spiritual fisherman or whatever, out there kind of thrashing away at it. And, now, and then that sort, that sort of attitude perhaps still pertains. Uh, and then it was more sensitive. No, you know, you're not a hunter anymore. Now you're a farmer. And just kind of, you know, bless the soil, let the stuff grow. It's tranquilizing. The bodily formation refers to, <coughs> um, it's called the Kaya Sankara. The Kaya Sankara is, is the, the conditioning process. It's the way we experience the body. It's the conditioning process that gives rise to body as an experience. That's a long-winded expression. Um, the impression of body. Um, you know, so I'm, we're not talking about the flesh and blood thing. We're talking about the 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 imprint, the bodily imprint. So that that bodily imprint, that bodily impression in the mind, is then something that uh, becomes soothed. As it becomes soothed and calmed. Then again, the mind settles, and you can, you know, drop into it deeper. The mind naturally flows and and gives itself up to it. It dissolves into it deeper, and then this experience of what's called rapture, which is like a pervading. Um, so that if you like the mind, which first of all seemed to be very much a thing, with aims and objectives, quite, you know, tight and thinking and planning and first of all is uses itself skillfully to cognize a particular object, starts to ease up, becomes more like just sensitizing, releases a little more, just uh, feels itself um, calming and easing and then this sense in which the mind almost um, dissolves into the body. So that the rapture is when the, what we experience as mind flows into into the bodily impression and it's something that is it's um you know, there's a slight conscious effort there effort's the wrong word but it's an inclination rather like when you say relax or let go there's an inclination there you know it's not you can say it's the effort to let go it's not a pushing effort it's just okay now just let it go so the experience of rapture is letting us, letting the mind just go thoroughly through the whole bodily experience. Um, I think, as we all recognise, whenever there is, whenever one does, one does relax one's body. You didn't realise you were tense before. You know, you could be holding all kinds of subtle tension in your neck and your shoulders, and talking and acting, and then maybe you know somebody tells you, or you do an exercise and. Oh, the shoulders drop, and oh, yeah. But the, the amount of subtle, not gross, but subtle holding tension um, that there is, 
And so this rapture, that is kind of, we're releasing that. So, so again, this is something that you, that is, pati sangwedi, it's thoroughly sensitized. It's not, you don't know it, or cognize it, or do it. You, 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 you get in tune with it, you sensitize to it. This is, say, the, the second tetrad. But I won't go into that um, great detail. The important thing is perhaps is the, fir- the first tetrad and the fourth tetrad. The fourth tetrad, contemplating impermanence, contemplating viraga, dispassion or fading away, contemplating cessation, contemplating relinquishment. And the first, the fourth tetrad acts just as the thumb does to the other three. If you had a three-fingered hand, then the, the way that the thumb relates to the others. So you, it's a kind of counterpoise. And the, the fourth is really um, the onlooking, the pasana, to see. Nupasana is a reflecting, contemplating. You know, with no, it's got no particular angle. It's not trying to see something or find something. It's just a quiet on-watching. So this is something um, that is, um, you know, works in all, all, all of the other three. So once we get this, this, this gearing up of a, a settling process, which is a process, it's not, it's not a suppression. It's, it's a process the mind relinquishes and gives itself up to. This is the settling experience or samatha, and then the on looking experience or vipassana and then the, the gearing of these two together, then you know this is your this is your you're connected. You're, then then you can say, you know, this is your your meditation is is in line. And we begin with the first foundation, Rupa, for the body experience. And then it's really how it goes. It's not something you can Force. You can't kind of sit down and whack out 16 stages in half an hour. You know, it's like uh, maybe it's going to be, you know, five years, ten years, you know, then this. And in that time, there might be you go on retreat and you drop into the, being able to more fully experience the second tetrad, the third, and then you, you off retreat. You can't, it doesn't happen like that anymore. Um, but you can you still keep the basic core of, the, of that practice settling and onlooking together, and the two support each other. Because of the onlooking, there's a sense of maturity, emotional maturity, um, ease, dispassion regarding, so that we don't keep putting stress onto our mind by, uh, you know. Blaming, criticizing, worrying, getting guilty, trying to push it, trying to force it, getting conceited, thinking we've got it, all this kind of stuff. Um, so that, that when you, if the might, if you do, if you look on with that kind of attitude, then of course the settling process doesn't occur. Similarly, if one doesn't settle, it's very difficult to look on because it's like you know you're in a firefight. Where do you look on from? The stuff's blowing up all around you. Um, so these two fit together. And then, really, if you keep attuning that to the first tetrad and to just one breath or just your body impression, 
as and using that as as a as a, a tonal device, like as a register. It doesn't mean now you've got to get your breath, because that wouldn't be on looking. You know, it would be that would, that would not be settling. It's like just knowing now you're not with the breath, on looking on at that, and then why aren't you with the breath? What's happening? No, it's not a rhetorical question. It's not like, why aren't you with your breath? Which is basically a blaming statement, but why? What's, where, where is it? Hmm. You don't have to analyse it, just notice it, feeling the mind is agitated, knowing that way. And, some, and often it's just this, this honest recognition that brings us back into an authentic resonance with what's going on and then the onlooking looks at that clearly says can see we don't need that right now and it falls away you've got some kind of nittering worry in your mind and the onlooking look sees that and you recognize it and there's then there's the response comes up perhaps of of calming or, or kindness or compassion these these responses start to happen from an onlooking mind and one that the the fundamental um, the the, the first aspect of that onlooking is the experience of change this too will change this is a changing thing this is something that you're not locked into that you can't hold that you don't have to be solid about, you don't have to be strong for, you don't have to be impervious about. You can be changing, it can be changing, your moods can change, you don't have to be, you know, like a rock on it. So that this is what brings you back into into a state of responsiveness and, and empathy with, with an experience. So much so that this particular reflection on impermanence um, you know, a lot, a lot of teachers don't really do much more than that. This is not, this is not um, decrying them. It's just a recognition of how, how, how important this is, and how, how deep and how useful it is. Because we can get very uptight about particular focal points, uh, and how the how psychology gets get so tight around these things, so that many people actually have to really learn and get confidence in the experience of change and what it implies in being sensitive and what that implies in being vulnerable and what that implies you know, in not being fixed and solid and hard and real and this way and that way but letting things flow Experience of change, of course, beginnings and endings. If you can't get the beginning, get the ending. Most likely, in terms of a karmic process, that is, a karmic a mental state, something that catches you, you don't get the beginning of it, otherwise it wouldn't have caught you. You get the ending of it. You get that moment when you recognize, and then on looking, and then the ending, 
and seeing the ending and noting the ending. And in the ending, there's kind of silence, a mini break, the pause. And you can even just stay in that pause and that silence. And then, then of course, within that, the breath is right, right there. You feel your breath. And the breath then, then is a register. And when the, the mind is very kind of flat and dull, um, then using the breath as a register that, that you tune up to rather than relax to, that you kind of brighten up to. So you're feeling kind of dull and you're swimming and sw- swamping around and then, what's happening? You know, you, you come in on the in-breath. And um, you can use the in-breath and the out-breath to, once, you know, when you're in a grip of some of these states, like uh, dullness or restlessness or agitation or some sort of, you know, mental state, you can actually use the in-breath and the out-breath, particularly once you've, you know, spent some time cultivating, so you, you know what that's about and you trust it and you can go to it in the right way, then, you know, feeling upset, feeling annoyed, wait a minute, just breathing out, the whole body breathing out, feeling low, feeling dull, feeling this way, you know, in a low state, breathing in, and taking it into the whole the whole body, so the bodily experience with the breath helps to, 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 um, clarify one out of a, of a mental turbulence, a mental storm, a mental cloud. So this one would say is a, is a sort of, you know, a bottom line of being able to use the, the breath in this way, in Samatha Vipassana, in these two tetrads. On a retreat, then sometimes it can be that because of the retreat situation, they're clearer, so therefore that the mind rests more into the breath, and then staying particularly with that sign of in, out, you know, the sign of, doesn't, in a way the feelings can, you know, the actual feeling tone of, of an in-breath is probably slightly different energy than the out-breath, but the most, most the thing you can always register is is the stop. You know, that's very that's distinct. Whether you're breathing in or breathing out, you know when you're not breathing, when your face starts to go purple. <laughs> you know, so that that register between on, off, on, off, on, off, and then that that especially is the is the the, the key the point that you most readily come to. And then during the, the process of an in-breath and out-breath, then the, the training is to maintain enough sensitivity to, to just stay with that as it happens rather than lag behind it or push away from it or drift off of it. But the in-breath, the actual endings of the breath are probably the, the place where you, you most, can most readily connect or where you most need to bring attention to. They are the kind of the key points. This has ended. Now it's something else.
This first of these contemplations that Nietzsche is most um, apparent in terms of the first form foundation of mindfulness, the first tetrad, that is the experience of, of impermanence is a recognizable um, shape experience, a recognizable body experience, you know, the limitation of extent, if you like. You know, things have only a certain extent and they end. That's not a that's not a feeling experience, that's just a that's just a measurement, that's a rupa experience that defines the length of something. So a Nietzsche most readily, most easily comes in on that. Viraga or fading away. Keep thinking of a old rock song when I think of Lucy's words. Um Viraga is uh Dispassion, I have to use that word, because I keep getting this sanya coming up. <laughs> Dispassion, viraga, because it's the opposite of raga. Raga, if you study Indian music, are these rather beautiful scales, lovely, uh, elaborate scales. And so the raga is like the emotional scales, you know, the registers that we have, which can be quite uh, um, florid, uh, passionate, uh, mournful, uh, you know, subtle, grieving, you know, the, the whole kind of emotional um, resonances. And viraga is when we're, we're uh, starting to, to tune in to a subtle, a subtler kind of register than the more romantic or florid or, or um, dark registers of the mind. It's more getting more towards serenity. less shaken, less um, emotionally creative or, or re reflect or reactive to experiences. This, this more refers specifically or more relevantly to the second tetrad which deals with the feeling, rapture, pleasure. These two, these things that stimulate the mind and make the mind tingle and buzz make the mind glow and throb and the, the sense of like what rapture really means is a kind of being being seized by something uh, excited it's an excited feeling so that the viraga refers to this just learning to cool out around it take it easy not to you know find yourself building up around uh, around a particular feeling Cessation is refers, and the last two, uh, particularly the cessation refers referring to the third tetrad. Um, this is perhaps a little beyond uh, what we can uh, relate to today. Um, I'll get back to that another time when we're beginning to uh, more fully recognise the the nature of of mind as a, a kind of as an intending experience as something that has a certain holding registering recognizing you know taking of experience mm. so it's these two impermanence and then dispassion um, 
so these refer to the two, first two tetrads. They also refer to a lot of things we can we can experience more reg regularly in our, our normal daily life experience um, to the to the feeling tone and to the um, the length the physical length. The, you could say even the length in time, the time length, the space length of experiences space or time length of experiences and then the feeling tone that they evoke. Um, so the, 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 the on-looking of, of in these directions, the on-looking at space and time, the on-looking at pleasure pain is impermanence and dispassion. It's not you're trying to impose though upon some, something, it's just to look on easily at in these in these realms, in these is, is this is this experience? In terms of working with uh, some of the um, difficulties that we find in meditation, or find in our minds. Uh, um, these two reflections are um, extremely helpful to keep recollecting, just to witness you know, a, a thought, or a mindset, or a conviction. I am this, I am that, you know, this is this, I'm not that, as something that it wasn't there yesterday evening. Now it's here, rose this morning after that particular, you know, experience triggered it off. And then this thinking, I am this, I am that. And you've got this, not just one thought, but a whole mental pattern arose of self-definition. You know, I'm doing well, I'm doing terribly, this is the place, this is not the place. She is, he isn't, you know, it kind of all came up. And then, and then if you start to just look on at it, as a phenomenon rather than as something I'm doing, just as it's as a phenomenon, then you know, noticing when it starts to run out of steam and stop, and maybe then something puts a bit more fuel into the boiler and it steams up again. Yeah. But noticing that you know, just the, the, the patterns of mind as having a certain time length, and with with mental patterns. Uh, when they do run out of steam, then the thing that, that cooks them up again is raga. So, you know, having lost it at eight o'clock in the morning, and, you know, the, the, the fuel has been put in the, the, the boiler, and the mind is cooking away. And by about <laughs> ten past nine, and it, the. the, 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 the <laughs> uh, it comes to a stop. You think, hmm. <laughs> you put some more in. <laughs> you go back to the scene of the crime, but they shouldn't have. And I never did. You know, a big lot of fuel goes in, and you cook it up again, and then another twenty minutes, and <laughs> but the two work together. If we are. Because once we experience that the impermanence is something, then in a way it does sort of make 
the passion. So you have to be a bit more conscious about it. it doesn't slip in unconsciously. It's not like you're, it's not, you've, you've got a break there. Once you witness something kind of fluttering down, and, because the conviction is often in the passion. The passion with which something takes the mind is what gives it its sense of solidity. Once it starts to lose its solidity, some of its passion kind of flutters out and it's no longer quite so convincing. If you witness that, then as you recognize, you have to recognize that this thing only runs on passion. So then you know, you're putting, you know, you put, decide to put the passion in. But I want to be discontent. <laughs> and I need to express my anger. So, you know, you just something, and you decide you're going to go for it and put it back in again. Which you know, it's it's, it's what whatever really. Um, you know, I'm not saying it's the, I'm not into kind of psychology of, of humans as to whether this is the right or wrong thing to do. But in terms of looking for a, a stabilized mental state, this is not conducive <laughs> for Anapanasati anyway. And uh, passion, raga, um, is something that we do look to put in. One of the, um, the Buddha felt that it would be difficult to teach the Dhamma at all because he said people are so used to passion yeah, as a as a way of life. It's like like sugar now. Everything's got sugar in it, so so that you get used to the sort of sweet taste of things in, in everything that you eat. And it's kind of got some sort of sweetness in it. So so that if it hasn't. You think, Is it? What's wrong with this? It doesn't taste very good. Yeah. Similarly, so passion is like the universal condiment for uh, for everything. You know, passion about cornflakes, passion about everything is that is is produced through in passion, isn't it? You know, the newspapers, passionate headlines are always kind of stab you in the eyes thing. Um, everything that is presented is presented with with the condiment of passion splashed over it. Um, you know, get passionate about a, a nut and bolt, even probably. Sure, <laughs> <laughs> the nut and bolt industry. You know, this is the bolt of the year. I'm <laughs> 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 you know, sure it'll happen one day. You'll see some man in shining white dungarees on television holding up the bolt, looking like he's just had ecstasy. You I remember looking at these, some of these very old, old advertisements, like the beginning of the century, would just be the word, like, you know, blogs is soap, and that would be it. You know, something like that. And then they started to put pictures. I think the first one was that famous pear soap advertisement of the little girl blowing soap bubbles. Saying, oh, look at that, isn't it sweet? You know? And uh, you know, these the, the, kind of colouring of everything. You can't just say, toothpaste, there it is. Buy some if you want it. <laughs> so it's you know the mind is used to that 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 stressing that emphasis. 
So it gets difficult to, when we're meditating because we're looking for the sugary bit, the kind of the kick of, oh, he's really there now, boom, in there we all end up in Scaling the heights, and, uh, scaling the heights of, of liberation, storming the portals of the deathless, you know, <laughs> uniting with the, the beloved, beloved the, the, the enigmatic beloved oneness, through the portals of the deathless, um, which doesn't happen. <laughs> so it's um, you know yeah, there's a whole process that you get really like weaning, rather like giving up cigarettes or you know taking their sugar. It, it takes time for your taste buds to to be able to sort of sensitise and and. You know, this is okay, it's sort of neutral, it's okay. Rather than oh, flat, bored. Where even some, you know, the mind actually gets more attracted to some stupid little obsession because it's a get, got a bit more pizzazz to it than a breath. Even some nasty little obsession. You know, stick on that because it's got more kind of, more raga around it. But then on looking, you know, like in the process of this 10 days, if all we do, you know, if we spend 10 days here and you don't get a single breath in that 10 days and you just notice it's now it's 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, meal, 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock, tea, evening food, that's another day gone. <laughs> and you're able to do that for 10 days without making anything out of it then this is good cultivation rather than thinking that I've missed out on my life so it should have happened or I'm not getting anywhere <laughs> then one is on looking the experience of impermanence particularly when the experience of impermanence is related to the passion making tendencies no matter how exciting something is that 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 sugariness is only is brief you know, before you know you're going to have another one. So the very impermanence of passion, the impermanence of objects of passion, the impermanence of getting feeling up, the impermanence of feeling down, the impermanence of getting charged up by something you know, itself is conducive to the weaning and the, and the, and the cooling of passion. So as you, as we uh, practice together, getting into the kind of the, you know, whatever it is, the fourth, third, fourth day. Um, this is the real benefit of it: is to just just to keep steady going and start to move past the the, the win lose judgments of the mind. Doesn't matter. Win lose doesn't matter. Just staying. And witnessing the impermanence of those mental takes and the impermanence of the rushes of emotion that happen within those things. And then within that, <coughs> the breath, breathing in, breathing out. 